Did you read that uh, Avatar 5 tweet from Stephen Lang, that quote? <laughs> the most obnoxious thing I've ever seen on Twitter. And that's saying something. He said he wept after he read the Avatar 5 script. Not two, not three, five. not four. That's insanity. I mean, like, like do you think they're really going to get the five movies? This mu- it must be the greatest ending of all time, like to a franchise. I don't, I don't even know if it's going to get to all five. Like, I, I don't even think I don't even think J.R. Tolkien wept after finishing the Lord of the Rings series, or Peter he, Peter Jackson finished filming the Lord of the Rings: Return of the King script. I don't know. I I just don't know where's the demand for that. Like like honestly, what a back in '09 there was one. I mean, is Avatar two. How do you feel about that one? Three, four, <laughs> just like Avatar five. He wept. This I'm ending like, must be absurd. How many have they shot already? Two and three, maybe. That's crazy. I think they already right? shot those movies. I think they definitely shot two, but I thought they were doing two at the same time as others or something like that. Well, we'll we'll get them eventually. We'll get the second one. What next year? Year after? The twenty twenty two? I think it's twenty twenty two. I'll check. What do they not have the technology yet? (laughs) We have the technology. I think it is twenty twenty two, but I was quickly yeah December next year. Wow. Do you think that's actually going to happen? When are we getting a trailer for that? December Christmas twenty twenty one. Yeah. One you like imagine like you're in theaters for Don't Look Up or Spider Man No Way from Home. One year from now, you, you won't be saying, in a three D theater. You you keep you kept saying no way from home. It's no way home. No way home. I kept saying kept, no way from home. Yeah, I was like, what was like, I, what's, no a, what's another movie I did that for? Nah, you did it. You done it a couple of times. Just, yeah, it was just yeah. Nice. I don't know why. I just add an extra word. All Gucci, ready to go. House of Gucci, yes, sir. Father, son, House of Gucci. This is the Drive-In Podcast, episode 49, take one. Bing, bada, boom. Welcome to the 49th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the Express Checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have our review of the Suicide Squad, and then we have our top billing draft of the best Suicide Squad characters from both Suicide Squad and the Suicide Squad. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy the 49th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. All right, episode 49 has arrived. This here is Dr. O, and I'm joined by my wingman here, Ricky Flix. Nez is once again on hiatus for this episode. Flickster, huge review today. Huge review. Major, we had to push it up. We, Green Knight getting pushed back a week again. Feel Man. bad for Dev Patel, his break, uh, breakout role potentially for him, besides Slumdog, obviously. But, hey, this movie's too big. That's crazy. Like uh, his breakout role is arguably Slumdog, and that came out in like '08. Yeah, and, been, and now it's like all these years later, he's probably is, like he's always been a solid actor, but I, I think he's reached a new level with uh, Green Knight. So I'm yeah, pumped, I'm pumped we were, for that one. we were just talking about Avatar, the new Avatar, but he was in the last Airbender Avatar, and he actually just came out 
with a statement saying that that was just a mistake on his career. He wasn't right oh, for man. the part. And it's like, you think? You think, bud? Yeah, no duh. Um, and Ricky Flex. So the Suicide Squad, did you watch in theaters? Did you watch on HBO Max? Which, uh, which approach did you take here? Yeah, so I've been traveling this week and I just haven't been able to see it in a theater. I feel terrible. I feel terrible, but I was able to catch it on HBO Max not once, but twice. And I'm looking forward to our review because this is going to be a doozy, folks. I can't wait. It's going to be a doozy. I felt shame, too. I saw it on HBO Max and like we're wow. movie theater stands like we are movie theater people. Yet we have arguably the greatest, uh, I guess, visual a superhero film of the year so far and we did not see it in a movie theater from the the podcast that claims that we're trying to make movie theaters cool again so this is a slap on the wrist for us slap on the wrist for sure um we will not let this happen again i'm sorry we let any of our audience down who who did the right thing and saw this bad boy in theaters hey i'm not putting it past me to see it in theaters during this window though i'm gonna see it yeah 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 i'm not i'm not putting it past me but for the first time not watching theaters Yes, that's on me. Hand up on me. Hand up. Hand up. Ricky Flex. Take it. That's accountability, sir. That's accountability. Man of integrity. Uh, You watch anything else, though? Anything uh, catch your eye on Netflix or uh, any other streaming service? Or Yeah, no. HBO Max just had an influx of movies come to their platform. Mm. And I just went to town. I went to town on it. True Romance. Watch that. Quentin Tarantino uh, uh, wrote that. Twister. Uh, Bill Paxton movie. Uh, you watched it? I watched it. I uh, grossed almost 500 million back in like 96 on like a hundred, less than a hundred million dollar budget. One of the best blockbusters of all time. Had to watch it for the first time. Acting was horrific, but the visual effects clearly ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. And then the other one. Was the- people say like that was one of the best action movies in the 90s. Like I know. Were, there, is, there, is a, there is a strong loyalty to that movie for those who really, really like it. I know that's the, literally the cult falling behind it. I kind of felt like I had to watch it. So I did. And it, it's not great. I, I think but... there's a reboot happening for Twister. Really? It's either that or a sequel. Something's in the mix there. But I know Bill Paxton obviously isn't with us anymore. Right. But uh, I believe there's some type of project in the works with Twister. I think I read that correct. I, uh, I saw it. Oh, somewhere. yeah. I see it here. Yeah. Ah. So they're doing a reboot. A reboot. A reboot. A yeah, reboot. reboot. It was announced last Let's year. Let's just pronounce it like that for now. They're doing a reboot. Yeah, right. no, yeah. It's Joseph Kaczynski. Joseph Kaczynski, I had to start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Not Interesting, bad. man. Yeah. So maybe I, I, I'm going to put, uh, I'm going to watch True Man- Romance tonight. Uh, but what I watch, I actually took a recommendation from you. I watched Primal Fear for the first time. Ooh. And it has one of the all-time twists at the end of a movie. An all-time twist, an all-time, not not an all-time performance, but a, a phenomenal performance by uh, Edward Norton in that movie. Breakout performance. Yeah, yeah that was a, truly a breakout performance. I know I was talking with you off recording, but I'm just going to let the audience know. When Primal Fear was coming out, like everyone, they wanted a young up-and-comer or a, like a newer actor to play the role that Edward Norton did. And uh, I was listening to a uh, interview with Matt Damon and Matt Damon, before he did Goodwill Hunting, he was a finalist for this role. This would have been his first movie. Right. And then obviously uh, uh, it goes to Edward Norton. And he said that everyone who was auditioning for that role in Primal Fear knew whoever got it was going to become the next big thing in Hollywood. Edward Norton wins the role. Like look back on his career, he's a three time Oscar or Oscar nominee, you know. And Fight was, Club uh, soon after yeah. American History X coming up. Makes yes, sense. yeah, he's yeah. Then he was absolutely absolutely nailed it. And like Matt Damon said, 
like he's one of the he's one of the best story. I know he's not in the news for the best stuff right now <laughs> with the with the homophobic slurs and everything, but he's one of the great like success stories. Him and Affleck in Hollywood because he recognized and he said in the interview, "If I want to make it to Hollywood, I'm going to write my way into Hollywood." Right? Like mm. there's like there's so many stories about failure and audition after audition. You have to learn to live with failure. It's almost like being a baseball player, right? You got to learn to live with failure. And that's what Damon did, and they said, "I'm just going to create my own path," and that's what they did. So it's just cool hearing like those like. Like tidbits and like you look at 20 30 years after movies made and that's why it's like kind of cool that we're getting like these movies that are coming out about the making of movies like we have the right. godfather movie coming out what kind of details are going to pop up there so uh, i thought that was cool but primal fear awesome recommendation by you flex well thank you that for that and also when you said make it a movies like we all know from the mank podcast i love movies like that so mm-hmm. god whenever the godfather movie starts production and that comes out that will be my highly anticipated movie of the year probably. barry levinson right and uh, with Jake G and Oscar Isaac, that's going to be absurd. So that's going to be my most anticipated Jesus. movie of the year, probably. Uh, Those are two bar- kings. Barring any superhero type uh, crazy blockbusters. And also, I think I'm, I asked, uh, accidentally said Joseph Kaczynski to star. I meant direct, obviously, Top Gun Maverick yeah. director. So just to clear that up. But right. Dr. Rowe, there's been some movie news. And there's one in particular I want to talk about because it's relevant to the pod the past couple of weeks. But I'll let you go and rattle, rattle off the news for us. Dr. Rowe, the checkup, please. You read my mind, Flex. Let's check the audiences up. The Suicide Squad storms the weekend box office with a $26.5 million win. James Gunn's long-awaited DC film scored the highest R-rated opening of the pandemic this weekend, followed by Disney's Jungle Cruise. DC, although they won the box office, they can't be too satisfied with that $26.5 million. Moving on with the checkup, more Warner Brothers news. AMC Theaters has reached a formal agreement with the studio to show the studio's 2022 movie slate in their theaters for a 45-day theatrical window. Currently, Warner Bros. is releasing new movies concurrently on HBO Max and in theaters, although this current plan is strictly for 2021. Good news for movie theaters. Next up, Brendan Fraser, our plump boy, one of our two plump boys, has joined the cast for Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. The cast already includes... Ready for this? Leo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and our first plump boy, Jesse Plemons. The film release date has, has not been announced, but it's expected to premiere in early 2022. Next up on the checkup, Brian May says Queen and Warner Brothers have been looking at ideas for a possible sequel to 2018's Bohemian Rhapsody. May said, quote, we are thinking maybe it could happen, but it would have to be a great script. No duh. It's going to take a while to figure that out. End quote. The question is, Flex, do fans want a Queen movie without Freddie Mercury? Next up, we have the trailer roundup. We have the first trailer for Clint Eastwood's Cry Macho. The synopsis for the film reads, a one-time rodeo star and washed-up horse breeder in 1978 takes a job from an ex-boss to bring the man's young son home and away from his alcoholic mom. Crossing rural Mexico on their way back to Texas, the unlikely pair faces an unexpectedly challenging journey during which the world-weary horseman may find his own sense of redemption through teaching the boy what it means to be a good man. The film will debut September 17th this year on HBO Max and in theaters. We also had a trailer for Venom 2, Venom Let There Be Carnage. The trailer for the upcoming sequel heavily features Woody Harrelson as the murderous carnage. The film will be released September 24th of this year. Finally, we had the first teaser for Stranger Things Season 4. Okay, we know our movie podcast, but Stranger Things is Stranger Things. The trailer uh, teases the return of series favorite Hopper as he sports a flamethrower in the trailer. The hit Netflix series will return in 2022. A specific date has not been set. 
That does it for the checkup. That does it for the trailer roundup. Ricky Flicks, which headline grabs your attention most, kid? Slump boy number two. Slump boy number two, Brendan Fraser. Slump boy number two. With Scorsese. What what are we doing here? Our plump boys with Scorsese. If you asked me a year ago today if this was going to happen, I would have just laughed in your face. There's no way these two guys are going to be with Leo and De Niro with Scorsese on the same on the same screen. And there is a scene with all four of them uh, on the screen together. Then that's going to be like our the the peak of our podcast, and we're only a year in. Like that's absurd. Big this time. is huge news. Huge news. And I, I know I tweeted Massive. this out. If you missed it, Scorsese literally watched No Sudden Move and said, Brendan Fraser, come to my movie. Some people some people hated Brendan Fraser and No Sudden Move. I, I I particularly liked it. I liked him in that. Not necessarily loved to say, come to my highly prestigious movie with Leo starring with De Niro. But hey, for if Scorsese approves, then I approve. Yeah, so this is actually this is huge. Like I remember Brendan Fraser, people were saying that uh, his comeback started with when he was like a, a supporting role in Doom Patrol, which was like a DC show that was on the DC streaming service that lasted like a year, right? So like everyone was saying, oh, this is Brendan Fraser's comeback, dude. He's in a Soderbergh movie, right? No sudden move, and all of a sudden he's with Scorsese and like the dream cast of De Niro and DiCaprio and our, our first pump boy Jesse Plemons. Unbelievable. I know a couple podcasts ago, we talked about Keanu Reeves and his comeback, how it's one of the best stories in Hollywood. And has anyone had a greater comeback? We also compared it to Travolta with Pulp Fiction and everything. Frazier is the next one up. Mm, he the is whale. the next one, the next great story. Yes, he's going to be in the Darren Aronofsky movie with, with the the 600-pound man. That's going to be something to see for sure. And I, Ricky Flex, this movie, I mean, he's getting Scorsese rules. He's getting Arnosky roles. We can't rule out that like he's going to be an Oscar-nominated actor Whoa. from one of these two films. Like, like, what? Like, it, like, there's a chance. Like, you're starring in it. He's well. First of all, it's more likely for the 600-pound man in an A24 yes, film. Yes, that, let's that, say that. That's more likely. But I'm saying if you're in a Scorsese movie, all of a sudden there's prestige, as you said, that gets tagged along with it. Can you imagine if like we wrapped up either this year or the next year with Frazier, like? capping off his career with an oscar like who would have thought that would have ever happen it would be the greatest story in the history of hollywood the ever great, you know be the greatest story after winning that oscar going back to do george of the jungle three or something <laughs> whatever and, yes and uh also the mummy just reboot that franchise forget the tom cruise version just reboot that just do it again Scor- Scor- scorpion king's getting rebooted you saw that scorpion king's getting rebooted yeah, reboot so brendan well. fraser mummy my God, dude, like, like that is such an awesome story. I'm so happy for our plump boy. And who knows? The sky's the limit now. It seems like he's mm-hmm. like committed. He's on the grind. He's back with a focus right now. And that's why this industry is so crazy. You never Craziest. know when your, your career can hit when you're five years old. Your career can hit when you're 50 years old, right? You never know when it's just going to click, right? right? But it's all about setting your mind to it. And here he is back. Brendan Fazer. Let's go. Um, Reflex. I also want to talk about um, this potential sequel to Bohemian Rhapsody. I posed a question in the checkup. Were, are you willing to like sit through a Queen movie without Freddie Mercury? Because I would assume they would pick up after he's passed away, right? How the band's kind of recovering afterwards. But are you interested in that type of film? There's so I think it kind of goes along with the movie. Queen is nothing without Freddie Mercury, mm-hmm. even though hey, they had some great musicians. Brian May, obviously, like great guitarist, but 
Queen is nothing without Freddie Mercury, so the movie will be nothing without him as well. It just would, it would be. Now, we're t- you're talking to two, or between us two, we're big Queen fans, obviously. And I don't know if we loved Bohemian Rhapsody, but we enjoyed it because of our love for Queen. It. Like, it, it's not, like, necessarily a best picture winner, but it was a good movie, fun to watch in theaters, you know? Good movie. But to have a sequel, like, around what? Like, I have no idea what it would be around, and there wouldn't be anything as surmountable as Live Aid or like any of the events surrounding a Freddie Mercury and the band unfolding and then re, uh, coming back together. So it's very odd. Um, and I was definitely put in for a, like a, like a, my mind was put in a pretzel after reading those quotes from Brian May. So this was, this was rumored to, uh, this was rumored, I want to say half a year ago. I want to say, I remember writing a blog about it at one point. It may, might've been even longer that there was like ideas swirling about a sequel, mainly because the first one was so profitable, made over $800 million right. at the box office. So it, did, it put up superhero numbers, like superhero film numbers, which is nuts, mm-hmm. nuts. And that's why it's kind of like caused this like uh, music biopic craze that's happening right now. I think we have respect dropping. Literally it's premiering to, uh, it premiered, I think this weekend mm-hmm. with Jennifer Hudson. I know it's, I, I, think, I don't know if it's the global premiere. Or I, I don't know what it is, but I know uh, that it's the, the release date's coming very soon. Right. Personally, like it's going to be hard. Even if you have like Freddie Mercury in this movie, it's going to be hard to bring back Rami Malek. How many like Oscar winners do you see that win an Oscar for a role then come back for a sequel? That's a yeah. very rare thing. And it's not a franchise. It's just a, it's yeah. just a natural sequel. It's, it's kind of weird. But mm-hmm. if you wanted to do a, uh, a story, I guess you have to bring back Freddie Mercury, but it would be him probably on his in his last year of his life like that's kind of yeah, what it would be and, about right last couple of years or something because like why like what did queen accomplish without freddie mercury dude like like, yeah. why, what, like i get like yes you're recovering from a loss but like what have you done that, who wants that to go like, see a movie recovering a loss like like there's nothing watch happy about brian, it. we're gonna watch brian may just like at his cabin in the woods like what like what are we supposed to be watching the entire <laughs> time and that that's a, that that actually is a fact that he does have a cabin in yes. the woods ricky <laughs> flex so like uh that's, that's kind of an inside joke between you and me because our cousins uh our, our uncle i think uh, during yeah. one of our thanksgiving said that he has a business partner that lives next to brian may in the woods which is kind of wild it's a wild, <laughs> wild. story he, he literally brought that story out of nowhere he's like the king of pulling out those type of stories but uh, i i <laughs> that was a nice little like uh <laughs> throw in i did for us Rich but just to just to chime in here you mentioned how but I mean, Rhapsody kind of that and like Rocket Man kind of catapulted this music biopic or just music musicals. Just this is the year of the musical, basically, from that year of Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man coming out and making those huge box office numbers. I think what Brian May and other people aren't realizing is that they won't make a lot of money on this if there's not a Fred and Mercury, or we're continuing to see a dual theater and also a streaming uh, system. What's the right. what's been the trend right now with these musical movies coming out, uh, coming out this year that have been coming out streaming? The domestic box office has been terrible. It's been terrible. below expectations by a wide, wide margin. So you won't make a lot of money on this. So what's the point of doing it if you're in that? You're not honoring his legacy by doing another film without him in it. So it's like there's no point except for you making money. And if you're not going to make money on it, why even do it? Makes no sense to me. Um, but hey, like if you think that it's going to be a huge box office draw again, sure. But I just don't see it. None of, none of it adds up. It's it, First of all, I don't think it's going to be profitable like you're saying, and no one wants to see the story. So in that, like, if you just do those two things off those two things alone, <laughs> don't make the movie. Like, what's the point of doing that? Calculations so you, don't if, add up. 
if you put a poll on Twitter, if like Warner Brothers put like, do you want a sequel to Bohemian Rhapsody? I would say like it would say like seventy five percent no. Yeah, at least I, I I agree. We should probably do that. And I feel like that's a movie that hasn't aged well either. Like people like didn't like that it won. It was winning Golden Globes. That it won a couple Oscars, mm-hmm. and people were like, this movie did not deserve For it. Editing. It, yeah, so it's, it's just not aging well right now. I get it, it was a great performance by Rami Malek, okay? Although I think that Taron Egerton was better as Elton John, but it's a different different argument for another day. But I'm just saying, don't make this movie. Um, Ricky Flex, a lot of trailers this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Cry Macho from Clint Eastwood. We had Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And then we had Stranger Things Season 4. Um, did you see all these trailers? Yes, I saw all of them. So uh, which one uh, are you looking forward to most? Okay, so... Kind of spin, I'll spin that the other way, actually. Cry Macho, when I watched that trailer, I I went to, I literally told the person next to me, my girlfriend next to me saying, hey, like, I don't think I'm seeing this movie unless it gets the worst reviews of all time or good reviews. That movie looks terrible. It looks horrendous really? to, to me. I really think there's another classic Clint Eastwood, like, uh, what is that, 15, 17 to Paris? I think it's going to be the same thing. Well, it's Just, different. that's a different way, different story. Like, he directed yes. that one. He wasn't in it. Right, right. But this movie, I'm not getting good vibes with. I'm not liking the chemistry with this kid. I'm really not liking it. Um, I'm not going to say it's going to be as bad as that movie. And obviously, there's different circumstances as the soldier, or the people actually play themselves. So it's obviously totally different. But I'm just not liking the vibes I'm getting from that movie. I'm not going to say it's going to be uh, horrific reviews, but I just don't see it being good. If it is, I'll applaud. I'll like snap. I'll, I'll be incredibly happy because any Clint Eastwood movie, American Sniper, Grand Torino, like it's going to be great and a must watch, must see, especially for Oscar season. But this, again, like I'm not sure. But Venom, let there be carnage. I, I'm getting better vibes than Venom, but still not like critically acclaimed. But that's not what Venom is. Venom's just like that's a box office movie that you want to see in the theater. Woody Harrelson and uh, Tom Hardy going at it. That's going to be like must a must see uh, movie, big time cinema. So I'm really looking forward to that. So, uh, Cry Macho, it looks really heavy. It looks like a heavy movie. It looks very emotional by this trailer that we got. But it makes me think, like, dude, like, all Clint Eastwood movies are the same nowadays. Yes. It's, it's like that and The Mule. Like, it's, it's the same The movie. Mule. They're the same movie. Like, it's just, I feel like there's only so much he can do. He's at this age. He's just a grizzled old man trying to teach younger people what to do. Like, it's He's just a mentor. Like, he's just like, that's just like all he does. He's <laughs> a grumpy like, mentor. I think this is his, like, last go for not, not like, I don't want to say he's going to die soon, but he's 91 years old. This is his last, like, like. I would say his last great performance. I would say I think it's not unrealistic to think that. I think this could be it. Yeah, and, uh, it's getting I know a lot saying. of buzz. And I know Warner Brothers is setting this up for a like a award season release. And right. so they like, they have expectations for this movie. Although it got pushed up a little bit to September, they still think it could do some damage. But it it, it just looks boring. It just looks yeah. so boring to me. And uh, and uh, you brought up Tom Hardy. Um, I saw uh, the director from Morbius, I think it was Daniel Espinosa, actually said that he uh, is ex- he was excited to work on Morbius because he saw names on the casting list like Michael Keaton, Jared Leto, and Tom Hardy. So Tom Hardy, I think, is cameoing in Morbius. Wow, well. I did not see that. That's yeah. insane. This Morbius movie, man. Jared Leto. <laughs> oh, my God. This is talk about a comeback here with uh, House of Gucci. And now that like that would be something. 
So Sony's like, there's a little, their little Spider-Man universe is starting to come together. Once you get that like third movie, it starts to feel like a real universe, you know? Because mm-hmm. like Venom didn't feel like it was a part of a universe. That, that pretty much felt like a standalone thing. It didn't really tease anything more other than like it was going to have a sequel. Leto's uh, Morbius, the trailer, obviously you have Michael Keaton already the show in the cameo of Michael Keaton in the trailer, which is nuts. <laughs> but then like uh, obviously Hardy coming in too. Once you get those three characters like meshing, then, then it starts. it's going to start to feel good. Um, Carnage looked awesome. I don't necessarily like the way he gets his powers. Uh, he gets the symbiote, 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 symbiote. Yeah, symbiote. They said symbiote, symbiote in the movie, but they sound like an idiot. Like it, it's symbiote. Symbiote, right? So like when he like he obviously bites Tom Hardy, and then that's how he gets the yeah. symbiote. I was just like, what the heck is this? Uh, so I was just a little shocked by that, but uh, Woody Harrelson is Woody Harrelson. I think he's like perfect for this like crazy murderous mm-hmm. type of role. Like it just seems like it's a little off the wall, oddball comic book character that he I think is built for. So I'm yeah, excited. I'm I'm feeling the tom- thermometer predictor for Venom, Ooh, but there'd be carnage. Right now I'm thinking like a 68. I was saying I was I was gonna say 66. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're thinking the same thing with that one. Cry Macho. I'm like, I don't know what to say. 60. I'm doing I'm that thinking, directly on a 60. I'm literally doing 44. Wow. I don't think it's that. I think, I think I, I think, am not liking I, it, man. I don't do this. Like they got to like, show me more or show me less. Like it looks like, to me, it looks like it just reminds me of the mule mule so much, but I think, which this is good. I don't know what it was on Rotten Tomatoes, but it couldn't have been great. No, I don't know. I, I you might have to look that check. up. I'm, 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 I'm betting it was fresh. Really? The mule. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. the mule? No. I have. I just know it looks the same. Oh my God. It has a 70 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Fresh. Not not certified fresh. Fresh. Like I said. That's ridiculous. That movie is not a 70. Bradley That's, Cooper in that one, right? Yeah. But like it, they messed up his character too. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Man. Yeah. You're right. Wow. You did a good call by you. But yeah, Fresh, not certified. Right. Uh, but yeah, but, so I, li- I like that we're throwing out these thermometer predictions. So you're saying like a 44. I'm going to go with a 60 and then for uh, Venom, 66 and 68. And then, um, yeah, so that's, that's any, any other thoughts on those two movies before we get on to uh, the Suicide Squad? No, let's get into this movie. Like let's, the wait is over. It. Okay. We are now moving on to our review of the Suicide Squad, right? From DC and Warner Brothers. This movie is certified fresh. Speak of Rotten Tomatoes at 91%. IMDb score is a 7.6 out of 10. Cinema score is a B plus. Ironically, it's the same as Suicide Squad the, for the first movie. Although this is looked at as a uh, by many people as a much improved film compared to the first one. So let's get to the synopsis. Then we'll get to our knee-jerk reactions. So synopsis reads, the government sends the most dangerous supervillains in the world, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, King Shark, Harley Quinn, and others to the remote, enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. Armed with high-tech weapons, they trek through the dangerous jungle on a search-and-destroy mission with only Colonel Rick Flagg on the ground to make them behave. That's the synopsis. Ricky Flex, time to get to knee-jerk reactions. But before we start, spoiler or non-spoiler review? We have to decide now. Both. So we'll start off non-spoiler, then we'll get into spoilers, okay? Uh, we'll put a timestamp on the episode so you know when the spoilers are coming. I'll also give a verbal indication that we're doing the spo- uh, spoilers. Cool? Right. All right, Ricky Flex. Why was this movie 10 times better than Suicide Squad? Well, the obvious first answer to that would be there's no meddling from the like in the production. 
James Gunn clear. Like James Gunn was able to do his thing here. And this was clearly a James Gunn movie. No one else made this movie except James Gunn. You could have taken away every single uh, screen credit uh, that was shown on the screen. And you knew it was James Gunn made this movie and wrote it himself. You knew it. And it, that's why I loved it. I loved it. I loved the Guardians movies. I love this movie. This movie was great. Even from the just the intro scene before, there's even a character on screen before the, the first scene, like this, not a spoiler, uh, Michael Rooker's character shows up on screen. Before that, they just you just hear, I hear the train a coming. Great. It's rolling around music. the bend. And Johnny Cash, Folsom Prison Blues. Like that just got you like a little like energy going into it. And then you see like, oh, Michael Rooker throwing the ball against the wall, like you saw on the trailer. And then the movie goes. The movie goes and doesn't stop. It goes and goes and goes. There's some flashbacks, but it's always going forward. The flashbacks always have a meaning. So this movie flowed very well. A typical James Gunn style flow and the music on point. The second time watching it, you could really understand some of the, the reasoning for the music besides the actual rhythm and flow of the movie, but also the actual song and like the title of the song, which is great. And finally, I, I know we're, we're going to talk about a lot of the performances in the draft. So I don't want to talk too much about the performances, but I'll say I liked like, almost all the performances in this movie um, yep, me too. to a T pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Like I, I'm going down the list in my head and also on my paper here like, of, of the cast and there's only one or two that I wouldn't say perfected it, but most of them were just spot on, spot mm-hmm. on. How about you, Doc? So if I had to put it, summarize what I thought about this movie in two words, it would be absurdly epic. That's how I would describe this movie. Because when you just go down, just like look at the names of these characters, look at the villain, you're like, this is the stupidest idea for a movie of all time. You're not people wrong. Like, people like rat catchers. Then you got a guy who murders people named Peacemaker. You have King you have, Shark. Uh, you have you have Patrick Starr and you have King Shark. Like Patrick Starr is your villain. The Starro, the Conqueror, you know? And you have a guy like the Thinker who's got stuff like shooting out of yeah. his head. You have a guy who's throwing polka dots everywhere. Just, I sound like a crazy person when I talk like this, but James Gunn still figured out a way to somehow make the audience care about these characters that you never even thought about in your life, which is nuts. And he's so good at that. Guardians of the Galaxy is the best example. Marvel characters, he made you care about Rocket Raccoon, he made you care about Drax, Star Lord, all these like comic book characters that are so obscure he brings in names like rat catcher two not even not one. the one rat catcher two right and then you have like obviously polka dot man like these throwaway characters he's like i'm gonna make the audience care about these guys so much and with a movie with such high stakes and that's what i want to talk about first flicks this is a movie that was so uh it's something you don't see in any comic book movie because people die People die and they don't come back. They have mm-hmm. no chance of coming back. All right. Although we'll get to a, a, the post credit teaser uh, after the non spoiler part. This movie, it's like from the first scene, you knew what James Gunn was trying to do here. You knew it was going to be different. You knew it was going to be different than Suicide Squad with David Ayer and the Warner Brothers meddling. You, by the way he handled these characters, you could tell he had ownership and you could tell Warner Brothers, like, He's, he's killing off some like recognizable characters. He's killing off some people that right. audiences already know and have connected with. But it shows that this is a movie that is just not a throwaway. It's not just another movie in the pantheon of superhero movies. He did something different. Marvel right. sucks at getting rid of characters. They suck at it because they, they, they worry too much about the branding, the franchise building. This movie... I feel like it doesn't even need a sequel. You could just like, I want James going to do something else. Don't even make a next Suicide Squad movie. Like this movie was so good on its own because it didn't worry about the future. 
right? Yeah. What do you, what do you think about mm-hmm. that take? Yeah. So I wrote down in my notes here, finally consequences to a superhero or action movie with yes. its stars, with its mm-hmm. stars or like notable names, I should say. So it, like, I loved it. I loved it. Finally consequences. We always talk about how Marvel messes up with that. You mentioned this. So I'm not going to play over the point, but yes. Um, and again, you mentioned the quirky characters, all these random characters, um, but also with the consequences to go with those quirky characters, the suicide squad is just living up to their name. Yep. It's just living up to the name. And we didn't you see that. In the there 20- to be consequences. Right. So it lives up to his name with these quirky characters that, Hey, you know what? This isn't like, like this isn't Lex Luthor where like, that's the most prominent DC villain maybe, or Joker. Like when you kill it off, that's like the end of a franchise. Like these are the quirky characters that obviously like some of them are like major quirky characters, but like, you could still kill him off and James Gunn did it and he just did it free flowingly. And I loved it. Right, man. And I also got to say, like, we're talking about the stakes that they're pulling, but also it looked like a legitimate comic book plastered on the screen. We say that all the time with Marvel movies, but this was on a different level, right? Very you, had, different. Like, you have scenes where like Harley Quinn has flowers popping up behind her and like colors splattering everywhere that aren't naturally there. Like it's obviously the like, figments of her imagination, but it's something it looks like you might see on a comic book. You have all like the, um, the, the, uh, like where it says meanwhile harley quinn it's like or it's like the uh where he's using like the surrounding the environment like i don't know how to describe it it's a what are those things called it's like slide cards whatever like the words on the screen the titles title cards title, credit, t- title like, cards yeah like title cards where it says like meanwhile harley quinn or it says like back in Corto maltese or something like this it even it was like it looked like a comic book and then right. the the violence it was gory, bro. This is a gory movie. Talk about not holding back. James Gunn went full pedal to the metal for the full two to like two two and a quarter hours. It was a pretty long movie when I was like it I was. Was looking, when I was looking at the time, but it was well worth it. It's not like there was any low moments, especially in my opinion. I think it was just you always anticipate something to happen, whether it packed a physical punch, a literal punch, or an emotional punch. There's always something going on, which I loved about it. I thought the pacing of it was awesome. Yeah, I agree. The title cards, I thought, so we talked about this in Black Widow. There's way too many title cards and location changes. Uh-huh. Here, I felt like the title cards was going along with the movie. It fit the tone. It, it fit the chaotic yet controlled aspect of the film. And I felt like that it worked. Uh, almost, almost every single one worked for the most part. So I think mm-hmm. that I was fine with that. And I know I'm one of those people that too many title cards, I would, I, I think that does uh, play an effect to this one. I thought it was an effect the positive way. Um, and then, yes, you mentioned gory, like right in the first scene, the first death was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. This is going to be gory. This is R rated. We had a red band trailer for this and this is why. Awesome. It was, it was so satisfying to watch as weird as that sounds. Right. It, it was, uh, and the, the humor in here, I thought it worked for the most part. There were some cringe jokes that like, Very, guards of the, like, yes. guards, like guards of the galaxy volume two. I felt like I was watching sometimes in terms of like, sometimes worse. That, it feels like very immature type humor, but it's like also just not funny. Uh, but there's also some parts I was dying laughing. And we'll get to mm. that during the spoiler section. There was definitely some points where I was like, dang, this is like what the original Suicide Squad wanted to go for. This is what, because like they talk about, like you saw the first trailer for Suicide Squad back in 2016, 2015. And it's like ballroom blitz. And they're like, looks like they're having a blast, like killing everybody. What we get is like this crappy grit movie with these like fun, lo- with these characters that are historically like fun loving and like that are just like, I don't know. There's don't have that dark side that's like, portrayed uh within the, the early dc universe if you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so what do you think about the humor in this film flex yeah i think definitely hit or miss there are some new jokes that i was surprised that james gunn uh used 
that were very old. Like they're new jokes, but they're they've had their time already in society the past year. So mm-hmm. or like the past couple of years. And I'm I wasn't happy to see those because they were very cringy. And there's a couple other scenes, not just comedy uh, uh, jokes, but like serious scenes that I just thought the acting wasn't necessarily on par or not even the acting. Just I just didn't have the right feel for it. I felt a little cringe watching it a little bit. Gotcha. But I think for the most part, the jokes hit the the uh, obviously the acting. I mentioned the performances, almost all of them hit for me. And even the ones that didn't hit completely, they still hit for the most part. So that that check mark there so definitely everything all in all like i was very pleased with the comedy and everything going on here um it seems like we both love this movie like i were i'm anticipating high scores for both of us right seems like we're big fans um but i want to talk about a criticism i had for the movie i want to get your thoughts on it um starro as the villain i thought i mean how do i describe it i thought the ending of this villain like the demise of this villain wasn't satisfactory at all uh, compared to what I was kind of expecting to happen and kind of like what deserved to happen, in my opinion. Um, I thought it was an interesting choice. It's like you're picking all these obscure characters. Of course, you're going to pick an obscure villain, like talking about James Gunn here, for the Suicide Squad. And it was a great throwback to like old Justice League comics, the first ever Justice League villain, the Star of the Conqueror. Even the title and, card, the, so t- I, like I, the screen title card. And like, honestly, I wish we had more Starro on screen. I know it was very limited, mainly to the third act, but I also wanted to uh, just get your thoughts on what do you think about uh, the villain itself and like the way they're, uh, the way they're, I guess, their demise. Before that, I'll say this. I'm not seeing enough love for the CGI for this movie. Starro looked legit in my eyes. I don't know because I'm I, like, I was good. watching on a, uh, like a laptop and the second time on a TV so I wasn't on the big, big screen. So I can't, I couldn't see like the defaults of it, I guess, but at least on the TV here and also on a laptop, he looked, the star looked phenomenal. And Weasel also, like he, he looked legit. And King Shark, I remember in the trailer, we were talking about the CGI issues there. A little suspect. It was suspect at the time. I thought it was much improved. Um, but with going back to Starro, besides the CGI, the ending for me, I literally predicted it the first time I watched it right when Starro broke out based on who was left on the Suicide Squad uh, teaser there. No spoilers, though. So I literally predicted it just based on who was left in the Suicide Squad. But it was just kind of disappointing based on how this is Starro the Conqueror. And he was such an intriguing character. I also wanted to know more about him, I guess. Yeah, we didn't get much out of his background. Because, like, he talks. He talks. And he had, like, three lines total. Like... I'm, yeah. I'm a little, I was more interested. Like, why is he a conqueror? Why is he doing this? Why is like, I'm, I'm more, I was more interested. And if he didn't say one word, I would have been, I would have been completely fine with it because I was like, Oh, he's just a conqueror doing things. But here it, I'm not going to do any spoils, but like his last line, clearly there was some, there was some, uh, there what's the word I'm looking for. There was some drawbacks to the conqueror aspect, I would say. So I was, I'm a fraud. Are you calling him a fraud? He's a little bit of a fraud. My eyes. He's a fraud. <laughs> Conquering fraud. Con- Star of the um, Conqueror is a fraud. You heard it here first. <laughs> Make sure I just get that clip. Star of the Conqueror is a fraud. Just tweet that. Yes. Um, so uh, that brings me to another criticism. You're talking about like the background of a character. Um, I thought James Gunn did a great job, like giving the backstory for the character throughout the movie and having it naturally flow. 
Um, it felt like like the like Suicide Squad, the first one, it was just like, oh, this is the introduction to this is Harley Quinn and this is Captain Boomerang and this is who and this is their power. This one is more like it's just natural. Like you find out about Polka Dot Man when he starts to have these huge rashes on his face and he's giving background about his family. Then you maybe you might have 30 minutes go by. Then you have Ratcatcher 2 getting a little bit emotional. Then you find out about her father, right? And what the meaning of why she is uh, the rat catcher in the first place. But although I'd like that aspect, I want to find out why they're all in prison. Like, why are they all in prison? I know Bloodsport is in prison, obviously for shooting um, Superman with the Kryptonite. Another cringy moment there. Yes. Yes, I agree. Not I natural I, at all. No, but I also I just want to say like like Peacemaker. Did they even explain why he was in prison? His name's Chris Humphreys. That's pretty much it. I got. But like some of the characters, I just I want to know like Ratcatcher. Like she's like such a nice person. Why, well, yeah, they said her. Prison? Yeah, they said her. She was uh, using rats for a bank robbery. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I gotcha, guess gotcha, it's yeah. not, that's a spoiler, but like it's the first no, 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 time that's in the movie. Yeah, yeah. 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 So like I watched the first but yeah, they, like, they didn't, the movie, fell asleep, then I watched it the next day. So yeah. So they didn't explain almost they, the majority of the characters, but the core characters, like they didn't explain King Shark. They didn't explain Peacemaker. They didn't explain Polka Dot Man. I think they just prioritized. That's a lot already. I think they just prioritized like their actual background and like how like well, which how they I got there wasn't as important. Yeah. So what I was going to rebut to you is that honestly, I don't give a care. They're all here. And I ca- like I care about like the core characters. So I would have liked to see more of the core characters rather than like Weasel's backstory, even though that was used as a joke or something like that. But like still, I think it all worked together because of the underlying themes and chemistry between characters in the movie, because like Peacemaker, for example, they didn't give his backstory, but the f- it, for his quote-unquote backstory besides his name they he said i'm literally just better at what you do to blood spore. and that's mm-hmm. kind of the theme between them and the chemistry rivalry. that's kind of what they use the rivalry between that rat catcher they explained her backstory compared to idris elba where idris elba or blood sport um has the father-daughter issue and uh, rat catcher ha- is missing her father so it's kind of the, like the chemistry between them and then mm-hmm. obviously you have polka dot man and the mom so like you know what I mean? So it has its that own themes. I liked it, but it was funny. That was one of the funnier aspects, in my opinion. Right. How he fully saw his mom and like his mom basically mentally scarred him. Um, and uh, he gave he, he gave an awesome performance too. But I guess selfishly, as a DC fan, I kind of wanted to see like how they got there. If there's gonna be any like other like like superhero references, things like that. Right. But it seemed like it was really just focused on the characters. So as like a, a movie movie like critic and as someone who like just wa- like wants to have focus on one movie rather than franchise building. That's awesome. But like, if you're a fan of superhero movies, superhero universes, you kind of want more, you know? Um, I also want to talk about um, the chemistry between Cena and Idris Elba, because I thought that was one of the highlights of the movie. I thought that was awesome. And seeing Idris Elba is such an, awesome actor like he like he like he's great at playing a badass too he's, he was like he was on point in this movie future really, bond question thought, mark and i thought yeah and i thought this was the perfect superhero role for john cena this was so perfect for him it matches like the some of some of the comedic elements we see in movies like blockers uh and he also it's just like it's just it's just like really corny you see him in the whitey tighties and you see like like the like the the, the quick the, the quips that he has he's throwing out it seemed like it just lined up perfectly for him so i just also james gunn is so good at casting too when it comes for his movies so i think like that was a genius move what do you think about cena's performance here flex yeah no i uh completely agree i completely agree they knew this, like, before even watched this movie, before this movie even came out, they announced the Peacemaker series. 
right when that came out, that news came out, I just knew John Cena was going to be so good Sick. as Peacemaker. They wouldn't do a James Gunn HBO show if he wasn't great at being Peacemaker. And it's exactly what we all thought he was. He's using his athletic abilities, obviously, because he's huge and wrestling background. And he's also a hilarious dude. And he played the corny character to a T, but not too corny where it's cringy. He played a corny that it's funny. And that's a skill that's hard to come by that people think it's easy, but it's not. And he does it perfectly. He's not the greatest dramatic actor. Like, I personally thought he was bad in Bumblebee. I think the movie's wicked overrated. I think it's certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't, so, but what? besides the point, I think this is his alley. I think he sees that as his alley because he won't get another shot being a superhero or super villain or whatever. This is it for him. So he needs this and he banked on it. He killed it. And then James Gunn said, you know what? You're so good at this. HBO Max series. Let's do it. And like, I'm so pumped to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm excited too. Um, it was, it was lined up perfectly for him. And like, right. You're right. 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 When you saw HBO Max series and you know, James Gunn doesn't really do television. He never does television. Mm. So the fact that he was making a series, and he's so he busy. Like, and he's so passionate about that character too. And he did it. He was so he was so excited to do it. He he did this before filming Guardians of the Galaxy. The Guardians of the Galaxy hasn't even started filming yet. It was like right after the Suicide Squad. He's like, okay, Peacemaker series. He wrote it during the pandemic. He's like, talk about making great use of your time. Yeah. Bang. Right. Then, then and, I think it's almost done filming at this point. And I guess so. Like while watching this movie, I guess before we, I'll say this before we do spoilers, like we can give our scores maybe, and then go into spoilers just so like yep. people that listen no spoilers. But watching this movie. Just I could see why the actors and James Gunn were saying this was the most fun they've ever had making a movie. This was the most fun they ever had on set. You could just understand it by watching this movie because like you were obviously enjoying the movie, but you can tell that they were enjoying themselves. They were having fun. And this is such a weird and quirky movie, but it works. And they knew that they had trust in James Gunn. They had trust in this vision. And you could see that with these quirky characters, you have a John Cena, who not necessarily is a prominent actor, but he's a prominent celebrity doing this you have idris elba in this role in this movie you have prominent like just people in hollywood or just in the world i guess like celebrity wise in this movie trusting it and having fun with it that means like wow this is this was a great production and all in all great mm -hmm. for us as uh, viewers absolutely couldn't agree more um as we wrap up the non-spoiler section here i just want to go over a couple other performances people we liked i thought rat catcher 2 as we said before was awesome she was great she really I, I could care less if I read that character on paper, but she ended up being the heart of the movie. She was the absolute heart of this movie. Mm. And uh, there was a lot, and she provided the emotional punch that, that, that uh, lifted it from strictly an action movie, right? Like, like it was absurd at points, obviously with the characters and their abilities and like the villain. But when it came down to it, they, like he, James Gunn treated these super villains as just people. Right. And they have the, they have stories to them. They have things that motivate them and they have things that, uh, they're trying to like uh, redeem themselves, like like for mistakes they made in the past. So it's just like he humanized them. I thought to a excellent degree. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, we said Cena was good. Idris Elba is always great. Harley Quinn, we got to talk about her a little bit. She didn't get as much screen time as I expected, right? Let's say, I would say maybe she had her own storyline though. Right. I, I, it's just it's just interesting that like. I, it seemed like there was an over-focus on her in the first Suicide Squad. And there was a lot of equal sharing in terms of screen time. If I'm thinking about like comparisons to like Bloodsport and Peacemaker. Yeah. I, not too different from Harley Quinn. But I, I again, you talked about backstories, why they're there and things like that. We, mm -hmm. She already had, it was in the previous film, and she had her own movie. Like she already had a bunch of lead up into this. So 
he needed to James Gunn that is needed to kind of introduce the other characters too. And True. again, a seamless way that we talked about. And again, this movie was already two hours, 15 minutes long. So it already had its moments for Harley. So they kind of just developed her character more rather than just kind of just redoing back what 2016 suicide squad did. Um, so, but going back to rat catcher, Daniela Melquire, yep. uh, she was like, obviously she's Portuguese, like, same thing um, that they said in the movie, but she was never in a, this is her first uh, feature film, full feature film. She was only in Portuguese television series. And the reason why, she, uh, well, I'll say first off, the, she got introduced to the superhero game by being uh, in the Brazilian, or sorry, the Portuguese uh, a language version of Spider-Man into, this, into the Spider-Verse. I saw that. I saw so that tweet. It introduced her to the Brazilian Comic Con, which is, a, a, I guess, monstrous. Uh, not, not as big as the Sandy, uh, the the U.S. Comic Con, but still monstrous. And her agent just like she got her to uh, to audition for this part, and to audition for the part, she was like wearing all this makeup for the first one, and like like got in front of the casting director. But then for the, she got a call back, and then for the second one, she's like, I just got to be myself for this character and not put makeup on because she never puts makeup on. That was like her first time doing makeup in a while. So she just didn't wear makeup to the interview, really studied like the character and just try to make it her, her own. And then yeah. James Gunn just loved it and said, all right, you got it. And She's she made, on, and made her the heart of the movie from it. It's insane. Mm-hmm. So good yeah. for her, like big things from her. Great chemistry with Idris Elba. And obviously she was great in this movie, the heart of the movie, like you said. So looking forward to see like what other movies she's going to be a part of, because again, this is her first full feature movie being in the suicide squad. It's going to be great to see what's coming for her next. Right. Like you love to see it and you love to hear those type of stories. Like those, those are the type of stories that make like, make you easy to root for, for sure. So I can't, I can't, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see what, uh, what comes up next. Um, and as we go on to the spoilers, uh, I also want to say, what kind of projects do you want to see in the future from any of these characters? I know we're getting a Peacemaker series that was that uh, I'm not going to give away if it's a prequel or a sequel to, or uh, happen the events following the Suicide Squad. But there's a Peacemaker series, obviously, that we talked about. Any other like like uh, shows or movies you want to see from this uh, spawning from this movie, Flex? So two come to mind. Um, one would be obvious the another Suicide Squad movie. I do think there's room for that. I know we you talked about it before saying if there isn't one, you're okay with it. I'm also okay with it. But I think that this the chemistry between the, the remaining characters um, and the potential of new characters coming into the fold that James Gunn can introduce, I think is, is appealing. So I do agree with that. Or I do think that's a, a great possibility. And the other one I would say might surprise you. So James Gunn's doing a holiday special for Guardians. What if he did something with King Shark, like a like a like a mini like thirty minute like holiday special or something like a special? Chris, Christmas in July. Yeah, something something with King Shark. Maybe like getting some friends in the sea. I don't know. Something something's like something funny, basically for kids. But I would love to see uh, Sly Stallone voice King Shark again. I thought he, that was spot on. So I would like to enjoy that. I don't think there's a lot of room for solo movies here besides a Peacemaker. Like obviously you could have a blood sport, like Superman, like obviously from the introduction of his characters, but I don't think he's a big enough bad for a movie uh, in particular. And if he's not big enough, then nobody's big enough really in my mind. So I think the Peacemaker series is a perfect equivalent or a perfect uh, follow-up to the Suicide Squad. I kind of wish the Peacemaker series would be a, uh, it would be Peacemaker versus Bloodsport. I thought, I think that would be an awesome, maybe he comes in like a mini series or something like that. I think that would be incredible just because like their chemistry, the rivalry against one another in the movie, it was must watch. It was one of my favorite aspects. As I said previously, Um, obviously a suicide squad too. I'm not opposed to it. 
or three technically, or the, the suicide squad. Um, so I just don't know what's going to like, uh, who they would face. Maybe they go against the justice league. That's a possibility. James Gunn said that would be That's interesting. Um, yeah, I know they, they're trying to they, at one point they were trying to set up uh, the Injustice League, right? Or the Legion of Doom, but I, I don't think yeah. that's going to come to fruition. So maybe the Suicide Squad versus Justice League is the next best thing. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see if like uh, like Will Smith couldn't take part in this movie. Will he come back for <laughs> like the third Suicide Squad movie? And I think I think that would be uh, Mill. Or, or somehow he had like a blood sport versus Deadshot. Although they're, they're like the same person, they're like the same yeah. thing. Even their backstories were like the same thing. I was like, this is basically just they just changed the name of the character and cast Idris Elba. It's the same thing. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Um, yeah. So that's gonna do it for our spoiler-free um edition of this review. Now let's move on to spoilers, flicks. Okay, we talked about this movie not having uh, having consequences, high stakes. What do you think about the fact that John Cena in the post credit scene is alive as Peacemaker leading into his own series? So I know in this non-spoiler, we talked about how there's finally consequences. Obviously him, weasel <laughs> post-credit, <laughs> weasel post-credit. King Shark should have died like five times. Yeah. Like he's, he's had a buildings fall on him, like insane. But yeah, I honestly thought like he was. He, I thought he was dead in the Peacemaker series. Was going to be a prequel series. That was the first thought in my mind. I got. I. 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 I, I got a. What's it called? I got fooled on whatever it's called. You got. You got duped. Duped. Thank you. I got duped. You got played for a fool. I got played. You played yourself. But yeah, dude. I. I like. I thought the entire time I thought it was going to be a prequel series, and I, I like the fact that. It's, it's a character, like, I know we talked about, like, it's great that has, this movie's consequences. It doesn't focus on building franchises. Rather, it's just, like, a great movie that stands on its own. But if I get to see John Cena more in this character, that'd be awesome. I guess a prequel series would have been, like, would have been more appropriate. It would have been more appropriate. But uh, I, I just, I think, my theory is, is that he had, to, that post credit scene was shot way after the movie was finished filming. So once they, like, he initially was dead. I think he was dead. And then uh, James Gunn loved the character and loved John Cena in the role so much. He wrote this series and they wrote uh, the post credit and they said, okay, mm. you're alive. Here we go. That makes I sense. I think he just loved it. If right? that's true, then that makes sense. And then um, to go on, like, so uh, we're talking like towards the end of the movie, did the credit scene, talk about Weasel, how he's alive somehow. Although like, what's the point in showing that? Like, <laughs> like what's the point in showing Weasel alive? I was just like, is he like, going to go I, against Peacemaker in this series? I don't know. And then, uh, Man, so talk about Weasel. Find him on the beach, right? Uh, uh, we're talking about spoilers here. So like, he was on the beach. We got to talk about the opening scene, Ricky Flex, because that was nuts. That was nuts where you had Captain Boomerang, right? Eyes early again. Pete Davidson as Blackguard. And then you had like Harley and then you had uh, Flag. Rick flag then you had all these other characters that were these newbies that you were like okay where is why is there so many characters in the movie yes people are gonna die but they did it right from the jump they set the tone so early it was so gory so violent captain boomerang slicing people with his boomer that his was sick like, and that was that was awesome but then you have like like tdk getting his worst arms character ripped off. ever like like uh, he no he ripped his own arms off. yeah no that's, his, yeah. that's he's the uh destructible kid or whatever he's like the, that, the yeah, detachable the detach- kid, the, the detached kid, or something like that. Detachable kid, or detached kid. That was terrible. What a terrible power! You just shoot yeah. your arms. Like what the heck? He was just slapping people. 
What a terrible yeah, power. It's just like you can. Like, Why would you bring him? Slapping somebody, you can punch him in the back at the same time. It's just like you, it's a lot, a lot of ground to cover. That's like but, it's it's good for like uh, pranking, not good for fighting. But I, I thought I thought that was a great um, I thought that was a great opening scene though. I really did enjoy that. It's, it really said like okay, people are dying, bro, right off the bat. And that also introduced like this non-linear linear storytelling from James Gunn that we're not really used to from him. He's usually very formulaic in terms of like how movies typically shot. He went mm-hmm. like Tarantino on us a little bit here with that first scene and then going back in time, back they going back like uh. What, eight a minutes month later, eight or was, three no, days was like, earlier. Yeah, three days earlier. Uh, when it comes to recruiting the Suicide Squad and like putting them together, like formulating a plan. Um, in terms of the characters of who, that died, though, was there anyone that you wanted to see more of that were unfortunately you weren't able to from that first scene? Oh, Cap <laughs> Boomerang was sick. Like his one throw was sick. So I would have liked to see more of him, especially since he's one of the characters from the last movie. It's kind of I felt a little disrespect towards him just say oh come back for this movie and we promise it's going to be a better movie oh yeah oh, come on board and then he just dies and it's only seen like that was kind of tough but it, it did feel like they were sending a message like this is not this is like so loosely connected to the old suicide Squad. right so loosely that we killed off captain boomerang in the first scene right so so yeah i honestly no like i pete davidson didn't like him really in this he i was fine with he him. was the worst actor out of everybody he was really bad um yeah. so get him out of my face that was fine with that the mon the what was her name mongol Mo- uh the girl like what's her name mangle uh, mangle mongol what's, what was the, pow- what the was orange the girl that jumped on the helicopter oh man yeah yeah she looked like uh she looked like she was an x-men yeah didn't like her didn't like her savant michael roker i was I so disappointed like he i was so disappointed by that he's awesome and as yondu and he just ran away like a little like wimp. Like that was right. sad to see. And Javelin didn't even get to do anything. No, it was just jacked. Yeah. And had <laughs> an accent. Jacked. And then it was like, it was, like, he was hitting on uh, Harley Quinn, just absolutely right. wheeling. So uh, yeah. He had so, the best costume though. Agreed. So I guess the, I guess my answer would be boomerang or weasel. Cause weasel like had good, like decent CGI mm-hmm. and he didn't do anything. So I guess him. I, like I would have wanted default. to see Rooker actually kick some ass. Like that would seem that would have seemed natural for him to mm-hmm. be a part of this squad. And uh, they, he was the first scene in the movie of him bouncing the ball to the Fol- Fol- uh, Fol- right. Folsom Prison. Like that was that, that was awesome. He hit the bird to kill it, but then when he died, the same type of bird hit landed on his face. The yellow bird. Right. That's what I like about like James Gunn. It's similar to like a Tarantino. Like these directors or uh, filmmakers that love film so much. That they just like doing these spoilers, uh, not spoilers, um, Easter eggs, like, Easter uh, eggs inside or, or the movie. Like, yeah. So, and it's also just like good filmmaking, or he's like, yeah, like, karma, boom, lands right. on your head. Um, speaking of other characters that have died here, Ricky Flux, we talked about potential Suicide Squad three, but so if there is a Suicide Squad three, they will not have Rick Flag in Suicide Squad three. I thought Joel Kimmon was a lot better in this movie than he was in the first Suicide Squad. He played it more. Uh, he wasn't as serious. It was a more playful, and um, he seemed like he has good chemistry. He's on good terms with like characters like Harley Quinn. And like I know, like like she was saying at the end of the movie after uh, Peacemaker kills Rick Flag that he was my friend. So it seemed like they actually created like a tight bond after the mm-hmm. events of the first suicide squad into the second. And you even see that with Rick flag saying, we have to go save Harley Quinn. We have to go save right. her after she's kidnapped and everything. So you see that relationship, how it's built from the first movie. The only real connection those two are 
to the original, right? So that like, the carryover, and then Viola Davis is Amanda Waller. So, were you upset with Rick Flag dying? Did you want to see him in the third film? What's your take on that, Flex? So, with that, it kind of goes back to your point with John Cena. Like, uh, they filmed it after the movie unexpectedly. They did that post credit scene. I feel like that, like, there wasn't going to be another one, another Suicide Squad movie. So, they killed Rick Flag, not expecting to make another one. I don't know if they will make another one. I'm just saying, because what's the Suicide Squad without, like, the true leader? Does Harley Quinn just lead it? Well, Bloodsport. I think that was the point of Rick Flag dying. Like, so Idris Elba, blood, Idris Elba's Bloodsport, like Amanda Waller was saying, like, you're a leader. Like, I'll make one out of you if you don't want to be anyways. And he ends up being the leader. So kind of his death kind of opened up the path for Bloodsport be being the leader. Be so I think that was the point. But going back to Joel Kinnaman and Rick Flag, I thought he was good, not great in this movie. I thought he was a lot better. And I agree with you that the comedic effect definitely helped him. Uh, rather than in the in the first one being too serious, definitely hindered his performance. Um, mm-hmm. But on his death, both times I watched it, it did hit me when he's like, Peacemaker, what a joke. Both yeah. times he said it, like, I can't imagine like writing it, James Gunn writing it. I, like in my mind, I'm thinking that's so cringy. But then when he actually did it, he sold me on it both times. Like yeah. I, it hit me both times. It's- and I was like, dang, that's crazy. It's interesting. So I think like, I want to say, like, I don't think he was as, like, the cast was stellar here. I don't think, like, he was the best at all. I don't think he was the top tier acting. Right. He wasn't Same. the top tier actor in this. But I thought he was definitely an improvement. But I also think I'm clouded a little bit because how much I disliked him in the original Suicide Squad and how I anticipate the character to look and how, like, what it's supposed to be played and, like, how it looks in the comics. And then I also have the fact that, like, Tom Hardy initially was supposed to play Rick Flagg in the original Suicide Squad, all this stuff. And I just don't think he's on that same level. But, if you played played uh, it's a total different tone of the movie and it's like a total transformation of the character i think he just went well with it you know it wasn't something it wasn't just out, it wasn't out of this world good but it was definitely interesting and then ricky flick something i teased in the non spoiler um part of the review was the demise of starro uh so starro the conqueror uh what happens is you have the heart of the movie which is obviously ratcatcher 2 she is the one who eventually basically takes down Starro with a bunch of rats just crawling on the villain. And then obviously uh, Harley Quinn comes in and stabs, uh, uses the javelin from the first scene of the movie. Her eyes water now. Like, yeah. And just stabbed so it right, right through, uh, right through the middle of the eye. But it just seems like James Gunn sometimes has a hard time, like in his third act, finishing the movie. Right. <laughs> he he's does, like having, like, he's like having so much fun with it, but yeah. then he's like, crap, I have to finish it somehow. Right. And there's also points like you bring that up. I'm sorry. It's a little tangent here, but this movie was like, it was unfocused a lot of the time. Like you'll have random scenes of like King shark, um, like, like him in the aquarium, just playing with the fish, like total unnecessary scene, but it's just like James Gunn likes his character so much, but this is the type of movie where like the lack of focus is actually welcome because the characters are obviously fun to play with. It's a zany and absurd movie as it is. It's kind of welcoming to have a scene like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And even with that character, you could say, like, when I was watching it, I was thinking, man, he has no friends. And he finally has someone that, like Aquarium, like he finally meets someone that's like him. So like he, maybe this is his moment to have some friends. Nope, they try to eat him later. So like, it, it does like make sense. Like he just has like these villains, all of them, they all of them just want friends. But then they always get the, the brunt end of the luck, I guess. And they have to figure out like, hey, we, we are we are actually friends here. And I guess by the end of the movie, you get that. So that's kind of an underlying theme again with the movie and the writing. But no, I completely agree. Just he loves playing with the characters here. 
Yeah, hundred percent. It's just, and you could tell by that Harley Quinn scene with the flowers everywhere, and her just gruesomely murdering all these people. Right. Um. Or the so polka thought, dot man with his mom. Yeah. The, yeah. Was, the, throughout the, the movie, of, happened like, like six times. Right. No. No. That, I thought that was great. Like, I, like I, it was funny. It was funny. Like Starro, like at, like and all the people around him, like as his mom wearing the thing, uh, wearing the star on, on her face. Right. Um. Uh, what was I going to say? Which character was I about to discuss? The Harley Quinn scene. It was just like, that made me feel like I was watching a comic book. That exact scene. And it was so zany. It's something that would never have been seen in the original Suicide Squad. And you could just tell it was a totally different tone. And I was more than uh, accepting of that. Uh, so I just wanted to give that credit there. Um, what else? Anything else, Flex? What else? Well, I mentioned the well, music. Yeah, I mentioned the music earlier. I know like when she was getting tortured, she was singing a So Busted by Culture Abuse. And then they played the song afterwards and like uh-huh. it hit tonally and like as in the like the rhythm, like I mentioned the sport, not uh, the the non the spoiler free section. And also I'll just say here, like the song itself, like the actual lyrics that goes with her character just getting heartbroken all the time and stuff like that. So that's a classic James Gunn thing. And then at the end with the rats taking down Starro, what song was playing? Ratism by John Murphy. <laughs> so it just it all like, classic James Gunn. We mentioned the Folsom prison blues in the first scene of the movie and it's in a prison. It's just that's and uh, Michael Rooker by himself, like feeling the blues right inside the prison. So it just James Gunn being so direct yet subtle at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. So like subtle and then not subtle at the same time. That's a great way of putting it. Uh, like he'll, he could be overt and like, definitely it was, a, I would say in terms of like visually, this is a very pleasing movie to watch. And especially like we talked about, like we didn't like the demise of Starro but when they were inside Starro's eye, like it was all, like Harley inside the eye with the rats swimming around her. It actually looked awesome. That was my it favorite, did. one of my favorite visual scenes in the movie along the with like the good. flower scene. Very nice. Um, I wanted to bring up one of the funniest moments, right? We talked about the humor. Sometimes it hit, sometimes it didn't hear. Absolutely hilarious moment is when the Suicide Squad goes in, uh, led by Bloodsport and Peacemaker, and they're having their rivalry, like taking out all these different, yep. uh, quote unquote, Corto Maltese, like soldiers. And they go to find Rick Flagg is sitting with uh, a woman. And the woman tells Rick Flagg, hey, uh, we are the Liberty, we're the Liberty Front, we're like taking on the Corto Maltesian army and everything like that. And after they just slaughtered everybody, <laughs> they slaughtered all of their, their whole entire movement. They killed everyone thinking they were the soldiers. I was dying laughing at that point. And then King Shark burps up the, the finger with the ring on it. I thought that was absolute gold. That was the that was the funniest scene in the movie. That and also the dip, the the King Shark trying to eat Ratcatcher 2 and then John Cena being just wearing tidy whities and everything. Those yeah. the combination, like because that was back-to-back scenes, that was just phenomenal. And uh that was definitely like the right where John Cena was like or uh, it just elbow goes to John Cena like, oh like it's not cool to be cocky. It is if you're doing something pretty dang cool. And then Andrew was like, crap, he's right. It's true. <laughs> it's, it's true. Like, so good. That scene was so good when they were going back and forth and they were just like just one up in each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says like the bullet, the, the compression bullet uh, impact on explosion or something like that. It was like, it was compression bullet and the guy explodes afterwards. Right. Um, right. Absolute. Like, like the gore in here, there was just no, there was no limits. There's no, there's no break. Right. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was awesome. Um, so I think we should get to some scores. What do you say flex? Let's do it. Uh, yeah. We, we actually, we have to throw, like, I just remember we didn't say a score for the. I know. Yeah. Section. So it's okay. Well, well, maybe we'll have Nez throw it in um, prior to. 
like right after, right before. So, Ricky Flex, what score do you give out of a hundred the Suicide Squad? This is a tough one because I really like this movie, but I want to like be unbiased about it. So I'm going to give it an 88. Going 80, obviously we love this movie, but like I think the drawbacks of it, there are some decent, uh, decent uh, sized drawbacks to it. So I'm going to give it an 88 after two viewings. I don't think <sighs> there are drawbacks, but I don't think they're decent size. In my the opinion. ending I do think is a drawback. I, I really I do. I, and I think, think that's and I my think biggest any, criticism. And I think any seriousness of the movie, um, besides the the L, uh, blood sport rat catcher two element, w- wasn't good. I really d- I don't think any serious like Edris Elba and her daughter the daughter scene I thought was not good in my eyes. I really okay. didn't think it was good. And the development of that character you didn't see her till the end of the movie, seeing it on TV. It's like all right, this is like pointless for me. Like I know it's like the whole reason behind the chemistry between Ratcatcher two and and his character i'm just saying like i that didn't work for me at all and okay um there's other yeah. things i could say but i yeah a no, couple no, other... I, i'm just like i like to me this was a very very i think that, I'm, I'm gonna say this is a great comic book movie dude this is a great comic book movie i think it's well deserved to hit the 90s i'm giving it a 94 94 for the suicide squad i did not like the ending and the demise of starro um it was the ending also with the twist uh, with the U S involvement with star of the conqueror and his development by the thinker and everything like that. I thought that was uh, very predictable. I thought, like, I thought that was clearly like I could, I, I just saw it come from a mile away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, this felt like a comic movie plastered on the screen. The stakes were high. There were consequences for mistakes in this movie. Right. I'm going to go with that 94 and uh, I'm going to definitely like the rewatchability for this is going to be very high. It's going to yeah. be very high. It so is. I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with the 94 uh, Ricky Flux of the 88. That does it for our review of the suicide squad. We will now move on to our top billing of suicide squad characters. All right, Ricky Flex, It's time for top billing top billing this week. We're choosing our own suicide squad, All right? We're going to use characters from suicide squad and the, Suicide Squad. We're gonna go snake style, uh, two man draft here. We're picking our own characters from the two movies. Right, best of the best. Are you ready? Any questions going into this, Flex? Let's determine this order. Let's do it. All right. So, do you want? Are, do you have a coin on you? Do you want to do uh, the the spinner? What's the game plan here? It's a great question. Um, I'll grab a coin. He's up. Headphones are off. He's searching. He's viciously for one. He's throwing papers in the air. And I believe he has one. Oh, Secured. He's secured. All right. Call it in the air. Tails. It's in the air. Tails. It's heads. Second time it failed. All right. I want the first pick. Okay. That makes sense. So Ricky Flix has the first pick. For Suicide Squad characters, he's officially on the clock. Peacemaker. Wow. Wow. Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Give it to me. Give it to me. I think he stole the movie. I think he's, I thought it was amazing. I wanted to keep my excitement, try to temper it a little bit during the review, just so I could, in case you got the first pick and you pick something else. But I'm picking the man that's getting his, his series next year. Give me John Cena. Give me Peacemaker. It's going to go down as his best role ever. Obviously, he hasn't had a lot of great roles, but it's going to be his best. Sauce it to me. 
Ricky flex. I am shocked. I feel shocked. That was crazy. I can't believe you did that. Uh, I was going to take him either the second or third pick. So like, that's a great pick by you. That's a heads up play for sure. I mean, naturally, if you go, if you go peacemaker, man, I'm just, I'm going to start off with Harley Quinn in the first round. I think she's very deserving of first round pick. Um, She's really like, she was known as that character as a supporting character uh, to the Joker. She's really like coming to her own. Um, with the Suicide Squad and Suicide Squad and the fa- fabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. I know that movie wasn't great. Suicide Squad wasn't great, but she's awesome in this. And she's awesome in the role. She's one of the few highlights of the original Suicide Squad. So I'm going to go with that as my first round pick. And then I'll hit you with my second rounder. Then we'll open up discussion here. King Shark. That's my number three pick. King Shark. Wow. Um, just like a, an adorable creature. An adorable creature, an adorable monster, I would say. So, and I love Stallone in the role. So, I'm going Harley Quinn, King Shark, one two. Wow. Okay. Let me take a let me take a step back here. Okay. <laughs> wow. So Harley Quinn was my number two. Got her own movie from one of the worst movies of all time. That's impressive. Okay. It shows how good Margot Robbie is as this character. All right. So, King Shark though. I'm shocked. I thought I was getting that at number wow. four. I, I thought I was grabbing it. Sly Stallone. Well, too perfect for this role. I know James Gunn on his classic James Gunn going on his Twitter threads, talk, like doing Q&A. Someone asked, like, how did he get Sly Stallone to do this? And he said he just called them up and said, hey, if you want to come in and just voice one of my characters for a day, easy, easiest job you'll ever have. And he said, for you, brother, of course. So Sly Stallone did it. Man, I wanted that. Disappointed, but great pick. Yeah, so I'm a hype that I got those two, but I wanted Peacemaker. Peacemaker. I, I'm surprised you didn't take Harley Quinn one. I think I would have still took Harley Quinn one if I had the first pick, but Peacemaker was right there. So that does it for my first two picks. Rhonda, your second pick, Flex. Who do you got? Okay, I'm going with the most underrated Suicide Squad member, I think. And that's going to be Polka Dot, man. Wow. Polka dot, man. I want, I have someone higher up on my big board, but I don't want it back to back um, on the graphic here, but polka dot, man, I think it's so underrated. Um, obviously the Melton scene was hilarious. And I think though, like, cause he's obviously the craziest one of the bunch as in like, kind of get, get those serial killer vibes, but he, like, or creepiest one of the bunch, but he's all, he's also like the most sane of the bunch. Like he actually develops relationships with these. He thinks he's developing relationships with these people, like with Milton and Bloodsport. Like knows knows who it is, but it's Milton like he's he with us. Okay, Mil- but, Milton, Mil- Milton's Milton's a teased pick. Sorry. Okay, so then, that was also a funny moment in the movie. Yeah, but uh, and then Harley Quinn was like, "Who's Milton?" But it shows like he's like the most sane one of the bunch, even though he's the most insane one. So David. Uh, Dash Malshian, whatever, however you pronounce his name, he had his breakout, quote unquote, breakout. But the one where you first saw him in a movie was The Dark Knight as the cop, uh, not actually a cop, but the under uh, the Joker, one of the Joker's henchmen dressed up as a cop, being the creepy dude that he is. And the note I wrote down for him in this movie was, How crappy is it being known as like being cast as the creepy dude in a movie? Yeah. Like that must suck. That's, 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 that's like 2013 that's prisoners. He was the cre- another time. He was a creepy dude. Like he's just the creepy dark dude. night. Yeah. So this movie, like creepy, like he's kind of known as like the creepy dude. That's kind of disappointing for someone the, that has to walk the streets. That's, that's the worst 
thing to be known as. You're the creepy actor. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's so true though. Uh, but this could be a breakout for him. Like, like he's always been in like he's shown up in critically acclaimed stuff, but it's usually you know, such a minor role. This might be the one that breaks him through. Although I can't see it, like I could see him being a lead in like an A twenty four movie. I could just see that happening now, like oh. because of his performance in this movie. And like, I like, like that. A twenty four has a like thriller, creepy type vibe to a lot to a few of their movies. A few, I wouldn't say a lot, a few of them. And I think he just like matches that vibe perfectly. Um, he's also in a lot of DC stuff. He he was in the Dark Knight. He's voicing uh, a, he was in Gotham. I forgot what character oh. he played. I didn't watch it though. Um, Interesting. He was in Gotham. Uh, he's he voices. Uh, he's voicing somebody in the Long Halloween. Like he, I yes, he's, he's the, the calendar, calendar man. man. Yeah, and Sean Gunn was calendar man in this movie, which is kind of I funny. S- I saw that. Yeah, and he's he made also fun weasel. Of him in this movie. He made right. fun of him. Yes, yes, wow. that's right. Wow, we're putting pieces together here, Doctor O. Pieces was together. Was it intentional? Was it but intentional? Uh, he's also uh, he was an Ant Man. Yep. Um, with uh, obviously Paul Rudd, and you Chief know, Payne. you know what his next movie is, Doctor O. David Dasmashian. Yeah. No idea. A little movie this year called Dune. He's in that? Yes, dude. He's in Probably it. Playing this really creepy, dude. Yeah, he's Peter Devere's Devries. But yeah, he's in Dune, man. Wow. Wow. The cast just keeps getting more loaded. Mm-hmm. And now now it's like a little prestige to his name now. We'll see yep. what happens there. Yeah. All right. So Polka Dot Man is the uh your second rounder. Right. And now we're moving on to your third round pick here, Flex. Keep it simple. Bloodsport. Nice. I didn't want Peacemaker and Bloodsport on my like I want a one of them because they're so similar as we talked about in the review. But Bloodsport at fifth overall, I feel like that's value. I'm gonna take it right now. Or fourth overall, however you look at it. Like right. that's the right value for that pick. I think so too. Um, I think we nailed the top three. You could I, like, in my opinion, Bloodsport and Polka Dot Man are kind of interchangeable. I get no Polka Dot Man and another character. I think are kind of interchangeable. Now I'm thinking about it, mm-hmm. but uh, Bloodsport I thought was awesome. Like you can't go wrong picking Idris Elba, and I think he owned this role. And then the the two people I think you can't have together on one list is my next pick, and that's him, uh, Bloodsport and Deadshot. Deadshot, you wouldn't have him in the same on uh, the same list. That's like a one or the other type thing. But I do like that pick a lot. And uh, for my third rounder, as I said. Will Smith in Suicide Squad, one of the few highlights. I actually liked his performance a lot as Deadshot compared to the rest of the film. I thought behind Harley Quinn, he was the best uh, actor. Like he put on the best performance. Maybe Amanda Waller was right up in there. Sorry for teasing a pick. Jeez. But uh, I'm good with having Deadshot, even though he wasn't in this new one, uh, as my third round pick. Yeah, I was targeting Deadshot with my next pick. So that was a good pick by you. Okay. Uh man, so Bloodsport, Deadshot, I got picked back to back. If I had to take one though, I probably would have took Bloodsport just because uh better movie. Better movie and even better performance, I would say. Uh, he was, I he would was too. awesome. Um, so I'm up again for my fourth pick, kicking off the fourth round. I will. I mean, I think it's kind of obvious who I should take, and it kind of lines up with your polka dot man pick. I get I'm gonna go with the rat catcher too. Um so if, if I'm creating my own Suicide Squad, I'm not going to pick her for my team. But as a character, I thought she was awesome, right? And I think we, we talked about her being the heart of this movie. They packed the emotional punch. Um, but yeah, for just talking characters. So like maybe I should cl- I clarify this with you first. Are we talking about characters like to make a team? Or are we doing like just picking our favorite characters? 
That's a great question. I was doing uh, my favorite, but we could do build a team. I feel like we both have some good teams. We have leaders on our teams and we have some oddballs and yeah, let's do that. That's fun. No, I can make no, a little not, lineup if, here. If, well, if it was that, I would change my pick. That's, that's oh. the only thing. Oh, oh, um, oh. Well, we'll do oh. whatever you want to do. I'm really fine with either. Hmm. I think I was going to, I think we just do our favorite, like favorite, like suicide squad characters. Yeah. Let's I mean, do that. We're just drafting characters. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that makes me comfortable taking Rat Catcher because that's kind of what I was going for. If I was actually making a Suicide Squad team, obviously I don't want a person that's just like infesting people with rats. That's weird. So as as much as I hate rats, I want that person on my team. I want them on my team. Do you see a took down stuff? Uh, you see, uh, no uh, spoilers. I'm not going to say anything. But uh, based on the end of this movie, I want them on the team. You know how many rats there are in this world? Insane. Oh, yeah. Like make, I want that person my- on my team. Make them on my side too. Make sure like the rats are on my side. Right. And that so. ending was perfect with it just Elba like petting the rat. Like I thought that oh, was great. Too good. Um, and yeah, and then she's also she's the ultimate glue guy. <laughs> she's a glue guy. Yep. You know, glue girl. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. She, she brings the the squad together, and then uh, her relationship. Obviously, you see that with what she did with uh, King Shark. Yep. So that was my fourth pick. We're now going on to the fourth pick for you, Ricky Flex. Yep, and I'll pick someone that I kind of bashed during the review, but not but I still said it was good. Someone that was in the previous movie. And also this one, I'm going to pick Rick flag. Rick flag. I think showed that he was like, he is a much more prominent, like a, a better like action, like a better character than obviously in 2016. Like he did more in this movie and he showed his worth more. I think in the 2016 version, it, it kind of like belittled him a little bit. Like Deadshot saved his butt a bunch. And this one, it kind of showed like he can face off against, I'm not going to spoil anything, but against some of the most prominent people in this movie and do it pretty well. So I did like him. I did like him overall in this movie. I'm going to pick Rick flag. And then my fifth pick, I'm going to pick someone as well. That was in the 2016 version. I'm picking Amanda Waller, the, the actual leader right. and the kind of eye in the sky. I'm going to pick Amanda Waller, Viola Davis. The only person with an Oscar. Not, the- not a suicide squad member, but I'll allow it. She runs it. But oh, I can I could change. I can pivot. No, 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 it's okay. No, it, I, I, I can't. I feel like she should be. She can be picked. Okay. All right. Okay. Sorry, I, I feel like I interrupted you before. I read you were saying something. My last thing with her is that you really hated her in this movie, but that shows how good she was in this movie. True. So, Amanda Waller. I think, oh, man. Okay. Yeah, that's a solid pick. Uh, she's really good at being hateable in this movie, like in both movies. Like she, that, but that's who Amanda Waller is in the comics. Yeah, you know she is that she has that like relationship with Lex Luthor too. That they really haven't like um that really hasn't that hasn't surfaced at all in the DCEU so far. That's I'm curious if like Jesse Eisenberg comes back if that ends up becoming a thing where it's like they are like business partners with one another. But uh, I like to pick and Viola Davis is really awesome in this role. I'm glad that she and I, it was like natural to hear her swearing. After she did it in the PG-13 version. Right. All right. I'm up. You picked, I guess, I got, I was targeting Amanda Waller for a potential fifth round pick. Uh, I think this is a huge pick because I think our lists are pretty evenly matched until the fifth pick because I think like the core characters, they're not exactly there anymore. So I'm choosing between a couple characters. And one of them in particular I'm thinking is from the original Suicide Squad. So I'm evaluating 
I don't want to pick anybody from the team that died in the first 10 minutes of this movie <laughs> or first whatever. Like, sorry, I shouldn't mention that. Nick might have to erase that from there. But that died in the movie or whatever. I'm going to go Killer Croc. I'm going Killer Croc as my last round pick. Uh, I feel like all the big names are gone, as I said. Killer Croc was kind of awesome uh, in the original Suicide Squad. He had an awesome look to him. And Killer Croc is a decent Batman villain. I'm a huge Batman guy. So that'll be my fifth round pick. Wow. Not on my list. I had someone that died early in both movies on my list that I was toying with between Amanda Waller and that was uh, Captain Boomerang. So nah, that I didn't was, want him. But that was, I feel like that was like the only one I would have picked over Amanda Waller. Javelin, not sure. Weasel doesn't even have an action sequence, just kind of there. Enough of them. And then obviously you have the the rest of them from this movie um, that just didn't do enough for me. And I know this is spoiler free here, so not going to give away too much, but just didn't do enough for me in this movie. And going back to 2016, just besides Harley Quinn, David, uh, Deadshot, Rick Flagg, Amanda Waller, like slim pickings there. Yeah, so the, honestly, I don't think there was much. and I, 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 It was hard to pick anyone besides like the main parts of this movie. Yes, there's a bunch of great actors here, great supporting actors too, I should add. But uh, I, I, I thought Killer Croc. It was, he's obviously like, I think he's the outlier on this board. Uh, but I, I think I was just making the best of a situation there. Mm-hmm. So to recap the list here, Ricky Flicks has Peacemaker, Polka Dot Man, Bloodsport, Rick Flag, and Amanda Waller. Dr. O has Harley Quinn, King Shark, Deadshot, Ratcatcher 2, and Killer Croc. Ricky Flicks. Uh, you brought up a couple a couple honorary mentions, honorable mentions there. Did you have any other ones that you wanted to bring up? Ratcatcher 1. <laughs> Taika Watiti. <laughs> yes, Taika. That, that, that also I, hit is, home. Is he one? Is he one? Ratcatcher 1. Is he, yeah, so yeah, he's, yeah. yeah, he's the first one. Um, no, his uh, his message, little message in the movie, uh, won't say it now, but that also hit. That also very hit. much so, and it was cool seeing. Like I, I read that uh, initially, he wanted to have, he was going to have a bigger role in this yes. movie, but due to scheduling conflicts, he wasn't able to do so. So he was uh limited to the role that he was given, you know. But mm-hmm. I'm glad that he was in it. It's better to have him in it than not, you know. Right. Right. Ah, uh, man. But like, if I had to bring up other honorable mentions here, uh, I was going to draft Milton as a joke. Um, <laughs> Michael Rooker as Savant. You mentioned that one. Like, I think that would have been pr- kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, if they actually saw it play out. Uh, Javelin, I feel like if you saw more of him, he'd be like even funnier on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Harbour from the 2016 version. David Harbour, the 2016. Waller's assistant or whatever. That is. I, I was, I was, I was going to do a joke and take Jared Leto's Joker, even though he's not on the team. Um. Yeah, man, there were slim pickings again. Like we could, if we had a three-person draft, I don't think this would have worked. Like it would have yeah, been no. tough. Yeah, no, it, it like besides your first two, three picks. Besides your first three picks, the rest, the second half of the draft would just be a ter- like terrible, uh, not entertaining. Is there anybody else from the first Suicide Squad that crossed your mind? No, like uh, to be honest, no. Like I know some of the characters, like Enchantress. Like no, don't, I don't want her on my team or on oh, my yeah, squad. I would never. But like, just common. Don't want common. Whatever he was, oh Joker. Like don't want that. Like Baron Holt says, like the <laughs> corrupt security guy, cop. Don't want that. So just 
obviously honorable mention is just slim here. Yeah, I'm looking at the cast of the first one. It's just no, nothing's appealing whatsoever to me. Mm. That's okay though. All right, so that does it for our draft of the uh, the uh, Suicide Squad characters. Um, hopefully, that expands to maybe a, a third movie. All right, we'll see. Ooh. We'll see at this point. Uh, yeah, a couple characters. You know, James Gunn will throw some in there. Mister Freeze, maybe Deathstroke. Killer Frost. Cool. Deathstroke. I don't Killer know. Frost. Killer Frost. Yeah, maybe that said Mr. Freeze. But Mr. Freeze is too big of a name. Yes. All right, Ricky Flex. Uh, that's going to do it for episode 49 of the Drive-In Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We are at the Drive-In Pod, all lowercase. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube. And if you uh, listen to the podcast, make sure you sh- – uh, if you're listening to the podcast, share it to your story. Uh, we'll share your story. Make sure you tag us. Then we'll uh, we'll send it out and make sure uh and we'll get we'll get your at and everything and uh yeah so we'll just uh, make sure that you're staying up to date with us that does for episode forty nine this is the driving podcast and we will smell you later.